This podcast belongs in a museum. franchise flicks my name is ted and joining me are my co-hosts andy and zach on this podcast we task ourselves with watching movie franchises breaking them down and reviewing them including franchises we've seen in love as well as franchises we've never seen and frankly avoided today we're talking about the indiana jones series the iconic action adventure movies that feature a heroic nerd who likely has as many stds as he does historical treasures This franchise includes 1981's Raiders of the Lost Ark, 1984's Temple of Doom, 1989's The Last Crusade, and 2008's Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. With that, uh, we usually like to start these episodes with talking about our experience level with these franchises. So, uh, Andy, why don't you start off with your experience level and what you think about these franchises on the whole? Yeah, thinking back to when I would have first watched these would have been you know maybe young not super young i'd say like eight ten years old maybe that range watching tv things like that because they would replay you know on i think like spike tv was a channel um tnt right things like that so watching him as a kid going back through this time though and watching them i think it was the first time i ever watched the first one um the whole way through I think I've only seen bits and pieces of it ever on TV, and I never watched it. All the other movies, I'm pretty sure I've watched them in their entirety. Maybe not the full cinematic cut. I think more of the TV cut, again, watching them on TV. Uh, and then I do remember seeing the Crystal Skull um, sometime after it had come out in theaters and seeing its entirety. So it was kind of cool to, like, for the first time, actually like sit down and watch the first one because i at that point i don't think i'd ever seen it's it, it the full version of it i've seen maybe a few clips of it um on television and just never finished watching it imagine the only thing you know from indiana jones being that guy's face melting oh <laughs> dude we'll get we'll talk about stuff like that. <laughs> that the only thing is that your experience level all of it yeah uh not i can't say i'm like a, a huge indiana jones fan these aren't really my type of movies because it's more I'm, I'm not an action adventure and this is action adventure in a very like niche version of it like kind of Mm -hmm. serial comic almost like so yeah that's that's kind of it with me and indiana jones yeah if you don't like action adventure you definitely don't like indiana jones that's pretty much what it is but i guess so my my experience level with indiana jones is pretty minimal prior to us doing this uh this franchise for the podcast um i i think maybe i i saw raiders once um but i didn't remember it at all and so this was my first time through the whole franchise frankly and it was to me it was i i had really high hopes for the franchise and it wasn't as memorable uh as i had hoped it would be it wasn't like as i hyped it up a lot in my head just because of you know the the pop culture uh implications and it wasn't as it just wasn't as memorable to me as as uh, I had hoped it was. So, I I kind of 
I mean, Annie's bow where I don't like the, the, the serialized adventure of the week type, you know, series uh, as much. And so this didn't really appeal to me as much as I had hoped it would. But that's that's really about it. I mean, I think I, I liked the adventure aspect of them, but very, very serialized uh, kind of in your face it's kind of like rinse wash repeat you know wash rinse repeat just the same thing you know for for each and every movie so but anyway that's my overall all overall thoughts yeah i'm in a very similar boat to you guys uh i think i'd seen uh raiders of the lost ark and i'd only seen it in full very recently i just decided to watch it because it was on netflix uh, before we even decided to choose this as a topic. Mm. But before that, the only one I'd seen in full, unfortunately, was Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I saw that in theaters with friends, and uh, I didn't think it was great at the time, but I didn't realize necessarily how bad it was compared to the other ones, just because I didn't really have much context. I just thought it was a an okay movie, but I really only had context for Indiana Jones as far as just a pop culture icon and knowing a lot of the pop culture references, whether it's the boulder rolling behind him or uh, I, I knew the monkey brains thing from Temple of Doom, but I had never seen it. So little things like that where I'd seen homages to it and other things. But yeah, I'm not really a big fan of the serialized action adventure movie i'm okay with that in the tv show as long as there's maybe a little bit of a through line with uh progressing characters but it feels weird for a movie series where you're just jumping right into the next adventure and it's pretty much the same format for each one uh just with a few different characters and maybe a little bit of a different situation but overall i thought it was a decent series but I was kind of where Zach was, too. I hyped it up a little bit, knowing that uh, these were George Lucas, Steven Spielberg movies, uh, especially being Star Wars fans like we are. I thought there was going to be more of a through line in these movies than there was. So I was a little disappointed that there wasn't. But once I kind of got clued into how this series was going to go, I adjusted my expectations for it and kind of just went along for the ride. And it was a pretty fun one overall. Yeah, I think what makes this franchise maybe not my favorite franchise, even reflecting on it from the point of view of not growing up with these movies, not being the type of film, but in particular, Indiana Jones, it's really hard to get invested in this franchise because there is no major through line like we get in Star Wars. You were just following Indy on each of these adventures. And there are certain things and elements that carry on from one movie to the other, but it's not the same. It's it's a different we'll talk about characters later, but like it's Indy featuring, you know, X, Y, and Z in every movie versus Star Wars, we'll compare it to another Lucasfilm uh franchise where you see the same characters, you know, repeat themselves in each of these movies. Uh, sometimes even spanning, you know, decades in, in cases with the prequels and the original trilogy and the sequels. So I think that part makes me personally not be as invested in as it as other franchises. Yeah, I agree. And I, I will say it, it was a lot of fun to watch it. I feel like I always start with a negative, but it was a really fun series to watch overall. So I had a good time with it. 
but I think you're right. I mean, the the investment level was relatively low for me throughout the the whole thing. And I'll be honest, like the, I feel like there's a lot of missing exposition in a lot of it too. Um, you know, I think oh, they yeah. did a good job in Raiders, but then in you know in the subsequent films, it kind of just relied on Raiders for your understanding of Indiana Jones as a character and basically nothing else. And then there is no you know exposition throughout the the you know the, the movie plots after Raiders. So that was a big thing for me. Like I I just why do I have to care about Willie or Short Round in Temple of Doom? They don't mean really much of anything, and there's yeah. really no exposition to tell you. So I know I didn't care about them at all. And like the only attempt they really give at a backstory or anything is really in Last Crusade at the very beginning with River Phoenix playing a young Indiana Jones. And it's really more of a montage of how can we fit all of the origin story of how he gets his stuff into the first five minutes of the movie. How does he get the whip? How does he get the hat? How does he get his scar? And how does he get his fear of snakes? The origin of fan service. Yeah, and it's all the real burning questions that people had too. So they were really on top of it as far as what people wanted out of these. Yeah, I, I didn't care about any of that. And it was just a sorry attempt at providing any kind of backstory, especially when it all happens within the same sequence. It's just crammed in there. It was lazy writing and uh, it, they probably shouldn't have even attempted to do it because these movies just don't thrive on that. They thrive on the fact that it's just one adventure to the other. And I actually would have been more okay if they scrapped that whole part of it. Something I thought like throughout this whole um, franchise is like I'm constantly making comparisons to Star Wars, but in particular the sequel trilogy, as well as the Han Solo movie, because like Raiders uh, are actually not Raiders. Um, I always get the, the titles confused. The third one. Last Crusade. No, yeah. Last Crusade. That one, the beginning of it, that whole intro thing, feels like Solo, a Star Wars story. Like, remember this little thing? Remember, oh, this thing that happened to explain the character? Well, we're telling you how it happened. But instead of being like a two-hour movie, this was like 20 minutes. And I, I don't know if that made it better or worse. So Right. It was like still long, but not like a, a full movie. It's way too long for what it was, but thankfully not a full movie. You explain so much in that sequence. Hold on. Can we just break this down before like we get into something? Like this explains the whole like, franchise right here's, here. Yeah, here's, here's Indiana Jones. Indi- here's a chase. Here's Indiana Jones. His daddy <laughs> issues, which like factors into his psyche and like the way he treats women and like all these things comes from this 20 minute sequence in the yeah. movie. That one montage. Yeah, it's all Indiana yeah, it, Jones is. It essentially is a montage, but it's filmed in the sense that it's actually events happening uh, in real right. time. Like I, I obviously within the context yeah within the context of the movie it is like in real time happening that way but it's just so ridiculous that they do it that way and it just shapes his entire existence before this 20 minutes he wasn't indiana jones but now he's fucking indiana jones and you know everything you need to know about him the only thing he doesn't do in that sequence and it's because he's probably underage at that point is sleep with a very attractive woman. And that could have happened off screen. We don't know. We don't know. Absolutely. 
We also don't know what he was doing with his chubby companion beforehand. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> That's right. He had a companion there, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he had a companion who was out of his depth, just like usual. And yeah, it, it's just everything you need to know about Indiana Jones. So with that said, let's let's talk about uh, Indiana Jones. Let's talk about <laughs> the plots uh, of the movies. Yeah, do you want me to give a little, quick little synopsis of each one? Yeah, why don't you, yeah. Why don't you run it run down and this. then we'll, uh, we'll get into it. All right, let's get into it. So Raiders of the Lost Ark is an epic tale in which an intrepid archaeologist tries to beat a band of Nazis to a unique religious relic, which is central to their plans for world domination. Uh, battling against a snake phobia, a vengeful ex-girlfriend, Indiana Jones is in, a, is in constant peril, making narrow escapes at every turn in the celebration of the innocent adventure movies of the earlier eras. Temple of Doom is, again, an intrepid archaeologist, Indiana Jones, on the trail of fortune and glory in old Shanghai, is ricocheted. I, that's pretty accurate, actually. Like, he is literally just slung into this one. Uh, into a dangerous adventure in India with his faithful companion Short Round who comes out of nowhere. And nightclub singer Willie Scott, who also pretty much comes out of nowhere. Indy goes in search of the magical Sankara Stone and uncovers an ancient evil which threatens all who come into contact with it. Last Crusade, the intrepid explorer. Tell me if you've heard that one before. Uh, Indiana oh, Jones sets explorer. out. Hmm? <laughs> oh yeah, it, it was exploring right? this time. Yeah, but he is intrepid in everyone. Still intrepid. Uh, he sets out to rescue his father, a medievalist who has vanished while searching for the Holy Grail. Following clues in the old man's notebook, Indy arrives in Venice, where he enlists the help of a beautiful academic. But they are not the only ones who are on the trail, and some sinister old enemies soon come out of the woodwork. And finally, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It's the height of the Cold War, and famous archaeologist Indiana Jones, they use some different descriptors there, uh, mm -hmm. returning from his last adventure, finds out his job at Marshall College is in jeopardy. He meets Mutt, played by Shia LaBeouf, a young man who wants Indy to help him find the legendary Crystal Skull for seemingly no reason. And the pair set out <laughs> <No>. for Peru. <laughs> however, <laughs> there's the however... Oh, yeah. Deadly agent Arena Spalko is searching for the powerful artifact, too, because the Soviets believe it can help them conquer the world. So look, there's your synopsis. You can tell just from those. Uh, these movies are all pretty similar uh, structure wise, and it's just adventure after adventure. I think there's something to be said about the leap of faith you need to take with each of these movies. It is it. And that's kind of to play off of what happens in The Last Crusade. But you have to kind of like accept them for what they are, and then you can enjoy them. I can't go into these plots and critique them like I might other type of movies that are out there. Otherwise, I'm not going to enjoy it. So I, I tried my best not to do that watching these, these movies, even though Indiana Jones as a franchise is not my favorite franchise. While I was watching each of the movies, I tried my hardest not to critique the things I didn't like. I acknowledged I didn't like it, and in my brain, I kept going with the flow. I use the I'll word yikes a lot through through all of this, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> that's what you got to do. You got to yikes it and move on. Yeah, you got to yikes it. You have to uh, accept the t 
time period that it came out and the time period that it was trying to portray. So a lot of those yikes moments in the context of that, you're like, okay, fine, I can get over it. Uh, Yeah, and if you accept them for what they are and you know what to expect going in, you can at least enjoy the parts of the movie that separate themselves from that. And that's really what you have to do with these, unless you're really into this type of movie. And if you are, congrats. Just not any of our cup of tea, it sounds like. And if you look at the original trilogy, like, and I'll exclude the Crystal Skull for just a moment from this, thinking of, like, what those were trying to do, we already talked about, like, big picture-wise, that this franchise is like a serial, you know, comic that you get. But it's really the second one, the Temple of Doom, that kind of, like, gives us that because the first one is all about all right professor artifact nazis nazis get the artifact oh they lose indiana jones wins the second one is similar beats but not nazis like it's a completely off track it's not there indy is going on the mission he's as we noted he's flung into it this is not his choosing this is like more of the the moral um, story development for Indiana, where we we affirm like the type of character he is, very similar uh, to the Last Jedi in a lot of ways. I made some comparisons in my head, and then we return back to the Last Crusade, which is very much a, like a parallel to what happened in um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's like okay, Indiana Jones has a mission. All of a sudden, the Nazis show up, they get the thing, they do the bad thing with the thing, and then Indiana Jones ultimately wins in the end. Crystal Skull is kind of like an amalgamation of all those things happening, and instead of Nazis, it's the Soviet Union. But plot-wise, I think, like, after uh, Temple of Doom, um, or, or not, yeah, Temple of Doom, I think the IMDb, that's like the second lowest, and uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls, the now the lowest one. But it felt like a, like a course correction going into Last Crusade where they're like, okay, let's bring back the Nazis now. Let's stop talking about the native people and people of color. We're, we're going to make the bad guys the Nazis again because everyone hates Nazis unless it's 2020. Then some people like them. <laughs> For sure. Well, I, I'll true. tell you, I, I didn't even know until after watching The Temple of Doom that it was actually a prequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark. I didn't realize that. Did you, you realize told me that? that? Yeah. It's a prequel. It takes place in 1935. Raiders takes place in 1936. Oh my god. Whoa, mind blown. Yeah. Mind blown. That changes everything. So it really it, it like you were kind of describing how it kind of sets up like the indie kind of moral character, you know, his 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 intentions, his his convictions right and i think it does i think they intentionally did that now it's questionable on how they they execute and and where they go for that but because it was kind of weird as a a very bizarre movie really it wasn't even like it wasn't even about archaeology they just found a room yeah (laughs) you know what i mean like it was more of just a uh adventure of mordor it felt like a Scooby-Doo episode where yeah. he finds the secret room and then that's the rest of the movie is behind the wall of the secret room. Right. I, I don't that know. That just it, mind it was... fucks me even more because now I'm thinking like Shorty, it, my boy Shorty is like my favorite. He's dead. 
Yeah, what the fuck did Indiana he's, Jones do to that kid now? Like, he doesn't it, it, show up ever again. And that, that, I thought it was the second one. Okay, yep. Like, they did their buddy thing, and then, like, now he's he's living somewhere safe. No. Indiana Jones probably fucking dead. got that kid killed. No, he traded him. He, tra- <laughs> <laughs> he sold him in, on Wayfair, I'm pretty sure. I think... <laughs> The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. No, that was the that was the most messed up thing that I could think of when I found out that this was a prequel. It's like, the fuck did Short Round go? It was yeah, well, just a year ago. Speaking of that, let's talk about like how these movies end. That they, they always seemingly end happy ending wise with Indy right. with the girl. They seem like they're gonna be together after that, and especially in Temple of Doom, it's Indy and Willie. And then short round, like they all kind of have their arms around each other like they're a happy family. And then if this is a prequel, he's just gone. And so is Willie, too. It's almost like it's almost like after the camera stops rolling, he's just like, okay, I'm fucking out of here. You're on. But then also also Willie was gone and Marion apparently has been (laughs) there. They've been around for years and all of a sudden she's back in the picture. I just found yeah. that kind of weird too. Like so, it's 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 a very strange timeline in the world of Indiana Jones because it goes thir- thirty-five is Temple of Doom, thirty-six is Raiders, and then it goes to thirty-eight in The Last Crusade. So that's like more like Nazi Germany, you know? Yeah, yeah I just found that sense. interesting. Yeah, it does change things. That's for sure. Maybe not for the better. No. No, I, think I don't it makes think it so. Worse. I think it makes it yeah. worse. I'm gonna... Yeah, especially with those implications. I mean, really, where is Short Round? When I was watching Temple of Doom, at the very beginning of it, when Short Round was introduced, I was assuming that uh, his Asian companion in the club was Short Round's father, and that he was going to have to break it to him that he died, just just because I didn't think that this movie would not explain where this little boy came from who's driving cars and getting into these dangerous situations with Indiana Jones. Uh, but no, not the case. He's apparently just an orphan who hangs around with Indiana Jones and gets into terrible situations, which is super yeah. irresponsible. He's badass, is what he is. I, I Short, Round, like Short Round's my favorite. He's I my like favorite character. I, I, like... He's my, I love Short Round. No, Instantly. I'm not on board. I'm rooting for this kid in everything and honestly i want no him doubt. to come back in indiana jones 5 we like that's what we need we don't need shia labeouf to come back and reprise his you know new role in the franchise i'm good with him doing whatever other things he's doing in his life give me short round he's picking up the, the mantle of being indiana jones now it's a person of color it's an asian person even better big for the Chinese box office. Like, let's go. Big, bring me short round in Indiana Jones The most five. important thing, the Chinese box office. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's what we need to worry about. That's why well, Mulan's going to be $30, everyone. <laughs> I want short round to come back and kill Indiana Jones for leaving him in <laughs> India. What the fuck? <laughs> that's what I want. Oh, man. You know that's exactly what happened. Indy needed a plane ride out. And oh. what was the only form of currency that he had? A short round. <laughs> short round. <laughs> All right. Well, now that you've like broken our minds with this being a prequel, let's talk about the like the movie though that sets this all up, which is 
the first Raiders. one Raiders yeah um and like all of the tropes that happen in this plot because it's like you could really just break down the plot now by like which trope is it the first one is like exploring through the jungle finding the you know the either cursed or something going on booby trapped thing all right before you move on i had a thought are these are these tropes in Indiana Jones, or did Indiana Jones create the trope? Well, yeah, I, I think uh, these movies within their own universe have their own tropes, and that's that's like the only through line these movies have is that Harrison Ford is playing Indiana Jones in all of them, and that all of them follow a very similar format, and it establishes its own tropes. Uh, you know, talking about short round, yeah. he's always got a companion with him who seemingly comes out of nowhere. And he almost always has a female companion with him uh, who he ends up sleeping with usually. There are so many through lines with these movies that there's always somebody in these movies, which I actually found kind of annoying, that there was always somebody that, Indy knew in the movie and he talked very conversationally with but we didn't know but they almost acted like the fuck you don't know this guy we know this guy <laughs> every single movie yeah. he's best buddies with whoever and it I remember the first time I watched uh, Crystal Skull when I saw it in theaters uh, I think the guy's name is Mac the guy who turns on him I thought he was a companion who had been with Indiana Jones throughout all of the movies when I first saw it, because that's the way they acted in that movie. Like that's how quickly this guy cycles through companions in these movies is it almost feels like you should know going into this movie, who this guy is very weird trope that that is. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any others you want to speak on. Well, I think trope. Yes. Specific to Indiana Jones. There are some things that like are created from this, but I think more like, Broadly speaking, it like draws upon 1950s, 1940s, those like types of the same kind of things that George Lucas was watching. Like, what's the oh, I'm blanking on the name of the, the thing? Well, I guess like, I the understand space what you're saying, Andy, side, but... but they're based on so there are things that happen like in the Indiana Jones. I'm not necessarily talking about maybe those right. specific tropes yet. I'm saying like what this like sets up and then maybe some of the specific ones too. It's like just going through like this. The first whole intro thing is straight out of like a comic book. Like you could watch like they're going through the jungle. They find the temple. There's like all the booby traps like Indiana Jones didn't create booby traps like those have been around before. Um, it's just the way that Indiana Jones maybe goes through those experiences is unique to Indiana Jones. But like those ideas, those are Im embedded in, you know, comics from the, the 30s and 40s and into like the the films of that era too i agree with you but i think to call them tropes like i've seen movie tropes that draw off of indiana jones that from movies that were made oh for sure after yeah. indiana jones and that's why I, like i i ask like did are they really is indiana jones using the trope or are they creating the trope for future movies because i can't really like i haven't read any of those 50s 40s comics i haven't seen any of those 40s 50s movies i feel like indiana jones really is kind of that that pathway that like they they're the ones that kind of carved the path maybe they did draw on on like you know Not uh, they they drew on those sort of you know features in those forms of media but they're the ones that really popularized it right am i wrong in that like because i had that thought while i was watching it's like oh yeah here they go doing the adventure 
We're like, well, this is like the adventure movie. Yeah, well, like, I, I, I think, think go ahead, I think Dad. you're a little bit right on that because uh, they're old enough to where they definitely could have been the ones that established those things. And yeah, it's such a huge pop culture icon as far as these movies and the character of Indiana Jones that it almost seems like everything does draw upon it. So I, I think you're right. It seems like it's a little bit of both where uh, the idea of the format of which these movies are surrounded, uh, just the action adventure serial part of it is where they take inspiration from. But everything else in these movies is something it, that it seems like Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark, they establish, and then they just continue using throughout these movies. So, yeah, Which I think beyond it, the end of the Indiana Jones movies. Yeah, too. absolutely. You know, like, there's, a, there's a million different movies that draw from Indiana Jones. And, and that's why I say that I feel like even though Indiana Jones maybe didn't, you know, they weren't the pioneers of this type of story necessarily you know with the the adventure the damsel in distress the companion like that's definitely established yeah, but that... they but but they they are kind of the ones that popularized it and and they're always like the reference point i think for maybe those types of tropes i think that's just something we just grew up though as an artifact of the the time because these came out in the 80s so think about like in the 90s now when people our age today are talking about these things as if when they just watched those movies, which would be kind of like our parents, like it's just the zeitgeist. So for us growing up in like the age of like movie and story, these ones make sense for us to draw upon to have those kinds of thoughts. But I don't think like Indian Jones is like an at like you could sub out any I feel like 80s action adventure and you're going to get something similar to Indiana Jones. Um, because it draws on past elements that are the same thing. Uh, I, I think there are some things in the zeitgeist, such as like the ball rolling down that or the boulder rolling down that makes us think that Indiana Jones was like somehow groundbreaking in that way. It definitely not to take away from anything the Indiana Jones has done, but a lot of these things I think have been kind of like repeated before. Indiana Jones didn't necessarily create it. It just brought forth it continuing on from past ideas and inspiration right yeah and i just i i always feel like you know the what makes it popular is really the more referential thing you know for for future mediums you know and that's why i say you know no none of us saw those i mean maybe you might have watched some of the you know the john wayne movies or like some other you know you know cowboys you know movies things like that but you know, Indiana Jones is really the ones that, that, that made it popular. And that's why I think a trope is something that is is out there because it's popular, because it's repeatable, because it happens all the time. And I feel like Indiana is the one that really made it that way for our, at least for our era, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's always, it, a, referen it's always a reference point. Yeah. If it didn't outright establish it, it at least popularized, popularized them to the point that everybody said, hey, we got to do this in our action adventure movie. Right. Uh, as an homage and because this is just the best way to do it right and remember it came out in 81 yeah right so that's that's like that's early 80s so then every movie in the 80s and 90s after that tried to emulate what raiders could raiders did at the box office frankly you know they're just trying to make a buck off of it well it's a steven spielberg film so think about that too like it's gonna yeah carried some of the same types of things that are in all Steven Spielberg movies. 
I want to just pull up the list of movies that came in 1981 to see if like what was going on. List them. Yeah, Mad Max Two. Yeah, Action Adventures. You have. Uh, oh, speaking of Mad Max, we need to do Mad Max. As a, I was thinking about that. Yeah. Clash of yeah, like these are all types of. Uh, a friend is a, a treasure um time bandits like yeah all these types of movies are very similar just happens to be indiana jones was the you know one, one of the biggest out. one biggest them. definitely so anyway we we went off on a, on a on a big tangent there but i think um <laughs> we talked a lot about temple of doom for whatever reason that's the one that sticks out to me in this series I remember more of Temple of Dune than any other movie. I think it's probably because it's like just a little bit different from the other ones, you know, where it's focused on like this, this dark, you know, ritualistic community, for lack of a better term. I can't find the word, but that, that, that darker side of humanity, that underbelly, you know, that not necessarily just evil, but like actual evil demon shit you know not just not just humanity evil so that, I, I feel like it stood out to me in that because it's not like the you know the the archaeologist find the relic before the nazis do right which is the plot of the other two films outside of crystal skull which even, i'm ignoring even how the, all the movies begin like there's like a some kind of adventure scene happens of some kind and then we shoot or like it goes back to Indy teaching um his class gets interrupted he learns of like what the MacGuffin is that they're going after then he goes right. on the adventures turns out it's nazis and or soviets um now when you throw in the crystal skull and then yeah. rinse and repeat versus temple doom doesn't do it. it does something similar but not that and we never see indiana jones back at the university the the movie starts and yeah. ends with the Indiana Jones not back home. Maybe that points to Indy trading short round for a job at the university. We don't know that. Um, but yeah, the Temple of Doom deals more with uh, mystical elements. Not that all these movies don't, but it, it really is seeking out the relic that ends up being mystical in the other movies. But in this one, it was more everything surrounding the movie was very mystical, it seemed. And uh, it, just from the beginning, when they uh, crash the plane and then they're in the village and uh, they're tasked with going on essentially the mystical quest to save that village, essentially. So uh, it, it plays very differently than the other ones, because in the other ones, it's seeking out a relic, but it's all with uh, that kind of Han Solo level of non-belief in a lot of that stuff. Like, if you want to believe in that kind of thing, he knows the history of it, but kind of skeptical about whether or not it does something, which really doesn't make any sense after Raiders, I would say because he's experienced enough, I think, to <laughs> probably give the benefit of, of the doubt that there are things that can't be explained in this world, at least even, within this even movie. in Raiders, as as Temple of Doom is a sequel, yeah, or a uh, pre prequel. Yeah, rather. no, that's what <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking now. Like, there's, <laughs> yeah, with, with that knowledge, but even just going in, if you're not even equipped with that knowledge, which I don't think many people really are, even people who are big fans of this series, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, uh, but yeah, just the skeptical nature of him uh almost like he's han solo talking about the force is kind of funny to me uh 
just a little side note on that. Yeah, so, yeah. so it does have a little bit different of a feel and definitely uh, also in the scope of who the villain is, it's more a group of people who are uh, indigenous and exotic as opposed to people like the Nazis and the Soviets that, at least in the eyes of Americans at the time that these things are set in, are evil, just pure evil, and they're out for evil gains. Everything else in Temple of Doom seems to be, this is just a society doing what they do, and Indy's disrupting that, kind of. Yeah, in a way, definitely. I mean, he's definitely still the hero that comes in to stop the the evil, but it's like sure. a, a, like a literal evil, like a spiritual evil, not a humanity a, a political... evil. A governmental yeah. sort of thing. Get the, yeah, right. gathering power over the entire world. Right. That's I think this is the that's the only movie that doesn't involve like a government contract. <laughs> you know, right. except <laughs> except that this does deal with like what's going on in India and having being you know being under the rule of the British Empire and what that's yeah. kind of caused. That's with, true. Like, uh, it kind of like a shadow government almost because technically, like yes, the the empire owns, but this is, you know, Britain owns India, but really who's running India are these people. And we see them, we see the emperor, right. And his prime minister who turns out to be the bad guy. So like it kind of does, but it's in a different way, which reminds me so much of the last Jedi, like to compare, even though it's not a sequel movie being a prequel movie, which takes the bigger picture story and kind of like, makes it a little more intimate where we learn about why the the character is the character he is the kind of what i referred to before is like kind of like the moral journey of the character that's what happens is similar to like the last jedi how each of the characters are tested and they go through like all right what kind of character that do they want to be by the end of this movie and we get indiana jones at the end of this which i thought was a sequel until a few minutes ago affirming who he is <laughs> Uh, but really, it's who he becomes is Indiana Jones. Later retconned yeah. by the la the Last Crusade because we learn that Indiana becomes that character in twenty minutes on a train chase and a horse and shit. And retconned for the better, I think. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, we we have really not paid any attention to <laughs> to the Last Crusade or Raiders. Anything yeah. in particular that stands out for you guys in, in both of those movies? Like, so Raiders obviously is the intro to Indiana Jones going after the, the, the literal lost Ark before the Nazis get it. I mean, that's like the plot. I mean, I don't know that there's really like it's a cool movie well, and I think it's really fleshed out well, but I don't know that there's a lot that I can comment on compared to, you know, Temple of Doom. Uh, well, I'll speak on some of the things that stood out to me, just some things that I liked about it. Like, the opening sequence I really enjoy just because of the mystery at the very beginning of who Indiana Jones is. We only it's see like him from the cold back. Open. Yeah, yeah it, it really is one of the best openings to a movie I've seen in a while. You know, just from the back the entire time, he's leading the way, but he's completely silent the entire time. Everybody behind him is very skeptical about what's going on and seemingly scared about what's going on, too. And even when they do show his face, it's just a cool, calm, and collected guy who's an absolute badass who can use a fucking whip to take a gun out of a man's hand. And then when he's going through the cave, instead of 
going forward like anybody else would, not thinking about their surroundings, he nonchalant, like almost naturally thinks about, well, here's some light here. That's probably a trigger for a trap. Or when he's brushing off the tarantulas off of, uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name. I don't even care. Doc um, yeah, Doc Ock. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we <laughs> talked about earlier. Yeah, just stuff like that. And he never seems to be in over his head during that sequence until obviously he gets out and then he's uh, surrounded by the tribesmen and Belloc. But like, what a cool intro to the movie and to the character too. Like, I, I think it, as far as these movies are concerned, because they don't dive too far into Indiana Jones beyond that, that really sets up Indiana Jones more than anything, I think. Like, maybe a few things here and there later on, like him being a professor and then him being a total ladies' man, everybody gawking at him in uh, the classroom. Most of what you need to know about Indiana Jones is just so succinctly told to you without him really even saying anything. Without And it's a really cool way to introduce a character. Yep. Um, totally agree. Yeah, I think yeah. that's like the... the here's here's what you can expect from indiana jones and like that here they just put it smacked it on the table uh yeah, uh, yeah i agree it was, it was great um really good another idea. thing i noticed uh speaking of like tropes of this movie within these movies is uh and it was established obviously in this movie a lot of the action scenes and i really enjoyed this are both really well choreographed action scenes with nice practical effects, but they also have a lot of slapstick involved. So a lot of that luck factor that uh, occurs in a lot of these Indiana Jones movies is also comical, and it kind of takes the tension away a little bit, which is nice. Yeah. So it, it sets you up for more tension again. So it keeps uh, setting up tension, grasping it away from you for a second, and then setting it up again, which actually lends itself to these action scenes being longer some of them do run a little too long and we discussed this before the episode uh andy in particular mentioned that but uh i really enjoyed them just from the level of execution and like the thought and love that went into those scenes because not only is it an action scene but it's not just a guy being a badass. It's that and him kind of stumbling around into all of this too, because that's exactly how it would go if somebody were doing this in the real world. They might not survive it like he does every single time, but there would be mistakes made every single time, I would think. And it, it really plays well to me. Yeah, I think with this, mo this movie in particular of the, the franchise, my only issue with it uh, happens later on in the movie it's like the i think it's the last 25 minutes it's when they first get onto the boat and from that point on how we get to the end it just felt like that was an an, an unnecessary sequence because we end up getting like right back to where we started which is being captured by the nazis when they're in egypt and they could have just had that whole situation happen right there it just felt like we went through all of this already we already you know had it's, it was like a slow moment after all these fast moments, and it just didn't feel right. The rest of it, plot-wise, everything, like, it was fine. It felt like an 80s action adventure to me that I could appreciate and enjoy. Uh, just didn't really like the boat sequence and how it got us to the end. Yeah, I can agree with that. And uh, I think where this movie did fall flat for me was kind of toward the middle to three-quarters of the way through the movie. It, 
it was just a lot of plodding along and uh, kind of circling around until we get to the end of the movie, kind of like what you were saying, where, you know, you end up in the same spot, but it really, you started somewhere, you end up in the same spot, and you didn't really progress at all, but you put it in the movie, essentially. It seemed like it was kind of filling up a little bit of time. So I really enjoyed most of the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. and most of the end of the movie. And the middle was a little iffy for me, but yeah. overall, uh, I think it's the strongest movie of the series. And it, that is because all of these movies play off of what's established in the very first movie and just make a story based on that. So when you're watching the very first one, I think it feels more natural because it's the first time you're being exposed to all of this and it is exciting to be exposed to it for the first time when you see all the other movies all right i know what's going on indiana jones is going on an adventure blah 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 yeah yeah it's quick it gets right into it what so i have a question for you guys who is your favorite companion who is your favorite damsel and who's your favorite villain out of all of the all of the movies in the franchise. So you've got, you've got Sala, right, is the companion in Raiders. You've got Short Round, my guy, Short Round in Temple of Doom. You've got Sean Connery in uh, his dad. Dr. Henry Jones. Dr. Henry Jones in The Last Crusade. And then you got Mutt. You got Mutt in uh, Crystal Skull. Uh, I'd push back only that in the last crusade, it's not only his dad; it's actually the other guy too. But it's mainly his dad. Yeah, we already, we already it's got mostly his dad. I, I actually, spend... I would say, look at the the amount of time. I don't think that's true. I think like we actually don't. We surprisingly don't get a lot of time with Sean Connery. I think we get more time with Sean Connery with Harrison Ford than we do his other companion who works at the university oh, with them. That there's a lot of time where he's on his own. Uh, oh, you're talking about, about him. Brody? Marcus Brody? Is yeah, that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, no, he's not the companion. It's his dad. He's the companion. Yeah. I, I'll, I, I'm going to – I say it's both of them. I'm not saying that it, it's it's – either or i'm saying it's both of them and that's it's kind of like the most unique of the three in that regards because you don't have like the single sidekick because the single sidekick is supposed to be like the one who like dimwittingly helps the person or like you know is there to like assist him and his dad is like the MacGuffin to help them get to the next bit and the dad ends up being like the thing that drives indiana jones to get the um what's it called uh at the end because like he needs the holy grail holy grail he needs it to save his dad so like even though the holy grail is the MacGuffin in physicality but like the driving part of the that specific point is it's because of his dad so his dad's less of a a a companion more of a a plot device i'd say he's both at the same time yes that's what i'm saying i'm not i think he plays both roles and I don't think I don't think you can put Brody as a companion though. He's more of a a hurdle than anything. Yeah, most of the movie, especially toward the middle of it, uh, they're just worrying about whether or not he's alive. Essentially, <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it's really only at the end of the movie and the very beginning, which Brody's at the beginning of Raiders too. It's real. He really just yeah. serves to 
help explain what the adventure is going to be to Indy. But he goes on the adventure this time with him. He literally he does, like, but he gets separated for so long, and really, he's only there at the end. Uh, no, like I the, think uh, it's. I think if you look at like the, the time, you first. I was just saying, if you look at the timing of this, like w- the amount of time that they're, the characters are on screen with Indiana Jones, I, I think you're not giving enough credit to to Brody of how much he's on the screen for him in the beginning screen. of the movie and how long yeah, it is. It's a long time. time. All right, I, I think that Brody's actually more like the 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 T.J. Miller character in Deadpool. Like he's that he's like your your Alfred in Batman, right? Like he's the he's kind of the the that Butler esque. He, here's your mission, you know. I would I say that in the, the first one, not in the th- the third one. He is. Uh, he just gets wrapped up into it. It's just the sequel. Well, just kind of like how his companions seem to get wrapped up in it, where it's like, oh, Indiana Jones is on this mission, but guess what? It's hey, like not short round. Short rounds in it from day one. Well, that's why he's my favorite. Like obviously, like he's uh, he's, he's a badass. Okay, short so my, short rounds my guy. All right, so those are all the companions. Uh, and, and Mutt, right? We said Mutt. Okay. Yeah. All right, so. After, so after that, we have the, the damsels, right? What I'm calling the damsels. I don't know what else. To it's call a little it. sexist, but that's fine. I know. I'm sorry. I don't know. The I, female I, lead? The female lead in the movie? Yeah, but they're more than the female lead. It's love it's interest. The, the love interest, I guess. All right. Love interest. Uh, I, I, I guess I'm being more archaic. So we have. You're very sexist. We have Marion. Marion Ravenwood in Raiders. We have. Uh, Willie in Temple of Doom. <laughs> we have uh, what? I don't even know her name. Um, I'm gonna look at. Uh, I'm looking at uh, Doctor Schneider in uh, The Last Crusade, who again, kind of dual role there, love interest slash villain. Kind and of then, also um, sidekick too. They're partnering up. She's more no, of a si- sidekick. Not I'm, I'm oh, a little Get, bit toward the end, Get, but I, I you're, think you're muddying the waters. Oh well, maybe this is yeah. why the last crusade is the worst of them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> might that's be. not true. Mm, I don't know. Mm, I think yeah, Temple, mm. Temple of Doom or Crystal. Oh, no. mm, right. Interesting. Okay. All right. Interesting. <laughs> and then this is the last one. Uh, oh, Marion again. Marian. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so she's there <laughs> twice. But we're gonna we're gonna have two. Dis- I think they're two very different characters. Because I liked Marion in the first one. <laughs> so we're Can we say, say Mutt Raiders is also Marian? the love interest? Because when he finds out <laughs> yeah. that he's his son, he totally flips the script on how he feels about him. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> so we'll separate those two. Yeah. Now, I'll be honest. The villains don't mean really anything to me. I, don't, I think they were not much characters at all, but... Well, well, that's just my opinion on on the the villains as a whole in this series. But we have Belloc in the in the Nazis in Raiders. We've got the again, I don't even know who he is, but he's the devil guy. Yeah. In uh, Temple of Doom. Well, he was the he was also he was the prime minister, right? No, it's not that it's two different characters. The prime minister's like with him though. He's one of the guys hanging out there. Right. What was he? But he was he had another role, right? Like in the government or whatever no you don't see him you're thinking you're thinking the prime minister and the like shaman dude or whatever they're not the, the sh- same yeah, the person shaman dude. they're not the same person they're two different uh, right right but they are both villains yeah they're both i'd of. say like you get like the, the yeah they are both villains i'm they're i'm kind of like villains what if we generalize it instead of saying like specific like 
villain there are instances of it but like you basically like nazis right. part one the yeah. you know mythical secret cult people nazis part yep. two um yep. and they're led by what's this face and then nazi or the soviets which is led by what's her name uh sure uh, Irina Spalko. but yeah that, that's kind of what i mean i think the villains are completely irrelevant almost in these movies yeah they're almost faceless in a way yeah um okay so right, you start with, starting with uh companion. You who's your favorite uh, companion my favorite companion who do you want who you're indy you're indiana jones who do you want with you i want sala with me you want sala yeah I, I think he's resourceful i think he's a smart guy uh he's also a pretty compassionate guy and he's a good friend to indy uh, I don't think he necessarily gets too much of a chance in Raiders to show what he can do, but I, I think he's a pretty helpful guy for the most part, and uh, you know it, it shows when he shows up in other movies as well. He's a helpful guy that Indy trusts, and uh, you know if you guys are going to argue Short Round, Short Round doesn't come back, and technically he's in the first movie chronologically, so I I don't short know. Round. It, it says a lot about what Indy feels about Short Round, I think. What about you guys? Right. I mean, first of all, first of all, you you, you did a short round dirty. <laughs> but I want you to finish. Go go, go down the okay, list. I want so you to I'm finish yours first. Who's your uh, love interest? Yeah, but my favorite love interest. I gotta go with Marion. Uh, she's the strongest of all the love interests, both in uh, physical prowess and as a character. I, I think she's just very strong-willed. And, uh, you know, it, she's introduced by drinking this dude under the table, just an absolute machine as far as taking shots. And she holds her own in the bar fight uh, with Indy. I, I think she shows the most value as a companion. It, she, you could be argue, it could be argued that she's a more valuable companion in Raiders than Sala is actually, uh, yeah. while also serving the love interest role. Uh, but true. she does kind of get thrown into the damsel in distress role when she's kidnapped a bunch of times. Right. So it, it it's almost like the movie has dual personalities for her. But I, I think overall she's a strong character, strong woman, uh, and just strong person. And she's attractive too. So I, I get why Indy was with her. And then as far as villains, I'm going to go with Nazis part one because uh, my favorite part of the Nazis part one is Belloc. I actually thought he was a decent individual villain as a rival to Indy or that. Yeah, it, it just ends up every He's time. The only one. He, he really is. He's really the only one who stands out out of all of the main individual villains because he's just the guy who's a step ahead in a way where he knows to just let Indy do his thing, find the relic, and then just ambush him and uh, get the trust of the tribal people uh, in the area. So it, it's just, he, he's always a step ahead. He's a very heady villain. And uh, outside of his propensity to try to save Marion as seemingly a sex slave, I guess, is what he wanted her for in the end. He's a pretty good villain, and just the fact that he, like everybody in these movies, just won't shoot Indy in the head eventually when he doesn't need him anymore. It's a problem in all these movies, but you know, it, since it is a problem in all these movies, I gotta say him. He stands out to me. Comprehensive list. Yeah. 
So uh, we can just clarify, though, that Nazis aren't even really the bad guys because he's a French archaeologist. That is well, he's true. Working he's just Nazis, working with though. the Nazis. Hey, yeah. Working with the Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that is a distinction, though. <laughs> so, like, it's, it's, he's different, like, categorically than the Nazis in the, the third one because they are literally, like, the actual bad guys. They're not, yeah. like— just straight up faceless Nazis, essentially. Straight up faceless yeah. Nazis. Well, except for the freaky girl. And she, tra- she transpires all the categories. She's like an assistant. She's the love interest. And she's the bad guy. Absolutely. All right, Andy, what are, what, give, give me your list. Oh, my God. All right. Obviously, you got to go short. I don't know what you're talking about with Sala. He, like, he's unreliable. Everything he does ends up, like, messing up in some way. Uh, like, he doesn't end up getting out without like somehow being either caught by the nazis or something like that versus my man short who's like he he's getting out of everything like that that kid drives a car and he's like fucking seven okay he like i i don't understand how you can say any other side character is better than he is he sticks up for indiana jones dr jones to you okay dr jones to you you don't call him (laughs) anything else but dr jones he stands uh, up. I'll, I'll wait for my. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going to just preach, <laughs> preach, son. Like, reflect on this. He stands up yeah. for Indiana Jones. He stands up a, to Indiana Jones. Exactly. Like, Who calls cheat? him a cheater. Yeah, <laughs> in the car and up the sleeve. Like, I loved him. At this, the scene while they're on the plane and whatnot, like, he comes up like, Indiana Jones, we got no more uh, parachutes. Like, I just like, like, he's checking for it. What is Willie doing? Absolutely goddamn nothing. You got short checking for looking for parachutes. Like, he is the best sidekick. I want a short. I need. He's Hallelujah. like. He's Batman. He's the Robin to the Batman. My man, short all the way. Uh, with maybe like a second being mutt, only because I think he's misunderstood in poor Shia LaBeouf. So. Nah. Uh, Yikes. I, I don't know. Throw. Yikes to that. <laughs> he's not that bad. I don't. I seriously watched that movie again. I was like, what is people's problems bad. with this? It's not that bad of a movie. I'm not going to watch that movie again. And he's pretty bad. <laughs> all right so love interest though marianne all the other ones don't even count and i'll even like include like later marianne because i'll i get teared up a little bit at the wedding scene uh seeing them like come full circle because i wish like she was the love interest in all the movies like i wanted her to be the princess leia to the han solo of indiana jones like i wanted her to come back i yeah. like her as a character um i'm glad she came back for the third one or the fourth one and then for the bad guys, this is tough. I didn't, again, like, because they're all, like, kind of sucky uh, to begin with. I'm just going to go with the shaman and prime minister only because, like, they were, like, totally lethal. Like, as opposed to, like, all the other ones, like the Nazis not killing Indiana Jones, they were ready to kill Indiana Jones. They tried taking out his heart multiple times. They don't got no bullets. They use magic to rip out his heart, potentially. They... They take him over, like, they turn him into a zombie slave. And then the prime minister, dude, he's just got, like, a bad-ass, bad-ass, like, essence to him. Reminds me a little bit of Tarkin, just the way that he's kind of, like, all about himself and his rank and whatnot or whatever. So that would be my, my villain. Can I just give a quick rebuttal to you just smashing Sala? I, I'm really <laughs> upset. Uh, he single-handedly saves Indy. When he's in the bar, surrounded by Belox guys with guns, 
because he sends his kids in. And they... <laughs> yeah, no, he sends the kids in. Yeah, because he knows they won't kill the kids. And that would have been then... Short. Short would have been one of those kids. That would have a big risk. Short Round is already <laughs> dead by the time Raiders is actually happening. It... <laughs> Short Round is... Solo's got some questionable judgment, if you ask me. No, I, I think he knows his own people. I think he understands what they're gonna do in that scenario and he was right he was absolutely right and he saves indy from that scenario and short round he's saves maybe... him every scenario no short round's annoying i was waiting for him to die in this movie i told zach in a another conversation that when they're on the dueling train cars in temple of that doom i was hoping they would rip him in half between them because he was stretched to like the brink and I'm like, are they going to do it? This would be great. I hope they do. Not a fan. Short Round saved an entire race of children. Basically on his own. No. There's oh, yeah. no better kid. No we'll, better we'll sidekick. We'll that later. I actually have problems round. with that whole entire sequence. But you can get into yours. We already know it's Short <laughs> Round. It's definitely Short Round. For all of the reasons that we just talked about, yeah. Short Round is my guy. I'm not going anywhere without short round. I'm bringing a deck of cards, and we're both cheating at poker together. <laughs> that's that's what we do together, me and short round. I'm Indy. And so, yeah, short round's definitely my, my favorite companion. I think he's just he's, he's a lot of fun to be with for the whole movie. He makes the, a really otherwise super dark movie. Like, he just gives it that kind of uplifting spirit when you need it. So I, I actually like just think that him in that particular movie makes a lot of sense. Um, so that's why I really like Short Round, you know, cinematically. But then the the love interest, I, so I definitely like Marion. I won't say Marion because everybody has said Marion so far, but... That means he said um, Marion. No, I, I, I think I think she's, she, for all of the, right, the, the reasons you guys say, I mean, she's, she's a strong female character. She holds her own. She... Still has a you know the 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 dynamic relationship with with Indy. I think in the in the fourth movie she's just a, I don't know I I didn't really like her performance that much there, but I don't think it's the the character's fault. Character, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but the for the yeah Marion was was fantastic. But I will say I think my out of this list I'm gonna go with uh, Doctor Schneider because I think her character was just super super dynamic. Like she did a really good job at kind of playing the love interest the villain and you know everything in between even to the end when she you know offers indy the the grail or like you know wants you know she kind of comes back around to indy like she still kind of always has him on a string always at arm's distance so i think that's it's 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 an she's an interesting character so to not say marion i'll say dr schneider willie is awful can we just all agree on that yeah, I could have she I agree on that, but I will say in her defense a little bit, I get why she's screaming in every instance that she's screaming, because she's dealing with a lot of fucking bullshit. And if I were in her situation, <laughs> suck, yeah. <laughs> if I were in her situation, just getting giant bugs and all these fucking terrible creatures all over me, I'd be in the same boat. I hate that shit. So I get it. She's painted as an annoying character and she is inherently <laughs> annoying. But it's almost a disservice to her because they're like, hey, look at this annoying bitch in this movie. And it's like, 
No, Indy brings people into incredibly dangerous situations that nobody should be in, including children like Short Round. And it's just unfair to ask more from them than what they're doing because she's seemingly just a normal person. She is annoying, though. So they, they play that up. But it, just saying in her defense, I get it. He's annoying and, and frankly, a little useless. Yeah, I didn't like, didn't like Willie's character, but uh, what's the next one? Oh, the villains. I think I, my, again, I, I, the, the shaman stuff is super cool. The, the, the Temple of Doom villains are, are definitely my favorite. They, I love that, that just the, the, the difference between, I think, the, the movies, you know, the, the Nazis and the Soviet Union, it's kind of one and the same to me. It's, it's, I get the idea, but it's not all that interesting. Whereas the, Temple of Doom villains were super interesting. I mean, like the the literal pure evil of them, you know, the the human sacrifice, the 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 black religion, like that, just underbelly of humanity is just compelling. Which I don't know is a good thing, but that's my choice. That's my choice. I can respect that. I can respect that. Okay. So, all right. I think that's good. I think that's good. I know. I know a little bit more about you guys now. Yeah. I wish I knew a little less. To be honest, Ted, short round. You, you need to pick better friends. That's what I. Hey. That's what I learned about you. Uh, Companions, companionship is off. Yeah. All right, let's let's move on to some. Um, I don't know, some tech stuff. Well, yeah, we we skipped over. Oh, okay. So yeah, I was gonna say we skipped over that sort of stuff. I also want to talk about that. Really skip too. over it. Yeah, yeah. So let's 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 talk about. I mean, we've got. I don't know, maybe twenty minutes left. I think that's enough time for us to get through some like special effects and or the you know the practical effects and in the music. Yeah. Speaking of special effects and practical effects, I really enjoyed them. Uh ones that stand out to me are uh in Raiders when uh they finally have the Ark of the Covenant and everybody's getting shot by lightning and uh the Nazis' faces are being melted off and Belloc's head head explodes. Love that. I, I love the blood splatter in the scene when Indy is fighting the super big Nazi dude. Uh, that, that's another kind of little trope in these movies. He always seems to be fighting a big guy, and the big guy dies from some environmental cause that's not necessarily Indy. It's just like Indy's aware of the thing uh, being ready to kill him, and uh, that happens in Temple of Doom as well. Uh, the guy he's fighting gets squashed by something I can't remember. Uh, in the cave there. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the practical effects. I guess, like, the only time they didn't really land for me, practically, I guess, would be uh, in Last Crusade. There's a lot of green screening Last Crusade, specifically when they're on chase scenes, and you can tell it almost looks like in Seinfeld when they're driving in New York City, <laughs> and uh, it, they've got the green screen uh, carscape behind yeah. that. Yeah, the, the yeah. traffic. That's, you know, that's it, right. It looks that bad. And uh, I, I think the special effects in Crystal Skull are mostly atrocious in a lot of the scenes where they utilize CGI. Um, specifically when we're talking about Mutt swinging from the vines with uh, the monkeys. That's one that sticks out to me. I'm trying to a lot think of it was rough. One. You know what stood out to me a lot in that movie was the, um, the but really, I mean, not a lot, but just that, that end scene with the, all the crystal aliens becoming the one alien yeah. and then everything like, like that was, that was a really long sequence with a lot of CGI and it looked bad. Like it, it, I, I didn't think it looked good at all. 
Yeah. CGI just doesn't fit with this series, especially how well they do the practical effects in the first three movies. And you're utilizing ILM. I, I just don't know how you can't go practical most of the time again in this movie, especially when you just don't need CGI. It, it's right. more in the realm of reality than something like Star Wars would be, where you need CGI, at least for the vehicles and stuff with uh, dogfights and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it just didn't feel like it fit. So, yeah, that's all I've got to say about effects. What about you guys? One thing I did not remember about <laughs> these movies at all was how, like, violent and gory they were, uh, especially the original trilogy. Brutal. I think we get a 2008 movie, a PG PG-13 means a little something different than in the 1980s. But, like, there's blood splatter. I think one... The, the the face melting scenes obviously like those those stick out but one that like really like struck a chord with me actually is in Temple of Doom when the uh shaman guy is falling from the bridge they like have a a, a frame where they have his head hit the side of the wall and they add blood splatter <laughs> yeah. like that was so yeah. unnecessary you didn't need that in there. But they gave it to us, and I that's the one that's that jumps out at me, but there was something early on too with um Raiders of the Lost Ark that was like, Wow, that's like really gory. <laughs> there was a lot of blood. I was not expecting that. Well the opening sequence you have you ha you have the uh Doc Ock speared oh, yeah, behind yeah. the wall. Yes. Okay, <laughs> yeah. That was like I was like, Whoa, I forgot yeah, that was in this. <laughs> this is a dead body, yeah. kids. <laughs> <laughs> right there's a lot of that there's a lot of, it, really the first two because i don't think there was a lot of that in Cru in um the last crusade i think it was really raiders and mm -hmm. uh temple of doom that really kind of exploited the i, I say gore but you know that's what it was for, it was gore for that yeah. time yeah it, that's I, that was, you don't get that out. you don't get that today you and i think when you see because 80 it was 89 when um the last crusade was last 89 eight, yeah so yeah. i think there might be something there related to, you know, movie ratings or something that had happened. Yeah. That caused. Because yeah. the only real, like, other than some gun violence that you see, you, you don't get the same kind of gore. And the only kind of, like, dead thing you really see than those bodies being shot is when he, the Nazi at the end, or he, yeah, he's, well, he's a Nazi, whatever that dude is, um, where he ages and, like, he turns right. into dust. Like, and that's not even gore. That's more just, like, horror kind of. Elements. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, like the so that came out in 1989. It may it may have been a creative choice because in 1990 in 1981 was the first one, and it, so by 1989, that's more it's it's kind of like a family movie. Like you can mm -hmm. take your kids that you know may have grown up with Indiana Jones to see it, or or even you know even an eight year old if you you know in that case so that may have been like a, an actual choice for them to kind of leave out some of that stuff to make it more family friendly yeah probably studios noticed that was like what you needed to do yeah but i i did notice that like there was a pretty noticeable difference that there was not that same amount of gore in uh in the last crusade but um i mean in, in terms of overall effects i mean i think the you know the 80s effects were 80s effects i mean they and they did a good job i think there's a lot of um things in ilm that you can point out like a lot of the miniature stuff was pretty cool but not a lot to note because it was pretty grounded i mean especially 
special effects. And mm-hmm. there's just not a lot uh, to know outside of uh, the Crystal Skull, which I'm trying not to talk about as much as possible. Because, uh, again, it just it, it, those special effects didn't really do it for me. There, and there was there was a lot of CGI in that movie. Well, and it's, I think it's timing with it. It's a 2008 movie, right? And it tried to be bigger than I think what it could be for the time, which is yeah. what Lucasfilm likes to do is they, they push boundaries. And it just doesn't always work. It's, you know, the prequels kind of like a big miss. Um, but it, thanks to that, it forced other studios to do more with CGI and make it better. You know, who, who knows what kind of impact the Crystal Skull had on the industry when it comes to that sort of thing. But maybe ILM was back there doing things that were pretty, you know, groundbreaking. And we just don't have the expertise to know. But other maybe. people were like, oh, man, that was, you know, really good for XYZ reason. Yeah, and, and it's it's easy to forget. It was to, still 2008. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah, maybe it looked better at the time. It just doesn't really hold up. You can tell when there's CGI, and you can tell when there's not. And it just feels like two different movies uh, visually mm-hmm. when you're looking at it from that standpoint. Well, in totally. this, when we've harped on this, but this, the practical effects in this, when they are very good, it's very jarring with a, a CGI effect that happens later. Right, because the practical effects are really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, throughout all of it, I and mean, through the whole franchise, they're great. So that's, yeah, I agree. I think that the special effects stand out more because of that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Do you guys have any more thoughts on that? I don't think there's a lot to talk about there. It's not like The Matrix where there was, like, you know, a ton of special effects. Yeah, there's not much to talk about. I think uh, the practical effects are pretty even through the first three movies, and then Crystal Skull just sticks out like a sore thumb, and that's pretty much all there is to it. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. All right, you should we want to talk about John Williams? Yeah, John Williams. Yep. <laughs> oh, this was something like I knew John Williams wrote the music for it, but I don't think I ever tried to pay attention to it when watching the movie, and I purposefully did in this case because of our, not maybe our lack of discussion with music but like how it was not a very positive discussion with the matrix we didn't really like all the things that were happening but i love john williams score oh the indiana jones theme dun 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 dun, dun, dun like like great use of it the love theme that gets used in um Whereas the Lost Ark sounds very similar to Han and uh, Leia's theme song, actually, just when you change just the rhythm of the thing. I I completely agree. It felt like it was just a variation of it, almost like a reprise. But I think that's John Williams, how he captures love, because it works. It makes me believe that these two characters have some kind of romantic interest in one another that without that music it might seem like artificial or stale you throw in john williams score uh maybe it wasn't enough to save um hayden christensen uh to to be a love interest but it sure works in these movies uh, all of them even with willie i'll i'll say like the scenes between them with the romantic theme i the motif that gets played I, it just works in those moments, and when you appreciate the music, you can, I think, appreciate those scenes way more. Yeah, the, yeah, I agree. You know, I'll tell you the one thing that stood out to me about the music is, you know, obviously John Williams has some of the most iconic themes, period. I mean, in movie history. I mean, I don't think anybody would dispute he has some of the most iconic themes ever. But I think what really stood out to me 
with some of like the 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 rhythmic and just background uh music in the in the adventure scenes when you know, the 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 a lot of the um you know the like the woodblock just rhythms right like it just really kind of kept the cadence kept the pace going uh the the use of like pizzicato strings when they just pluck the strings and use that as the as their rhythm to like that sort of texture was perfect for the this franchise like he really enveloped the feeling of the the movies and of the action and adventure in those kind of like those just backing tracks like they're not themes they're just here to to provide texture to the scene and it, I, that's what actually stood out to me more than anything else. Obviously, the themes we know, but the the texture of the of the scenes um, that it provided was, I thought, phenomenal. I thought that was the best. Yeah, I I really agree with that. I think it helped paint the picture of what you were seeing. It made it feel like you were really seeing what was happening in front of you, where you're wrapped up in this adventure. And I also think just generally like. On top of the fact that John Williams is a brilliant composer and he is very iconic and just has a way of coming up with these iconic themes, he also just knows how to place them. Like you can tell how much work goes into him watching the movie and developing the music around that and like seeing specific scenes and specific moments and placing the themes within those scenes and moments like he just does such a great job of fitting it to what he's seeing even when what we're seeing doesn't really live up to what we want he still somehow elevates it it's just incredible it's really hard to say enough about john williams and any other series we do where we talk about a john williams score is probably going to be similar things said about it <laughs> it's it's always gonna be pretty gushing when you're talking yeah. about john williams but i think to add to your point i think you're absolutely right and like he he even he even envelops like the kind of like the waves of the theme and in the scene like he puts the climax right where it needs to be he puts the the lull in the in the in the crescendo right where it needs to be like it's pinpoint perfect like there's just I don't know I just I, nobody else does it like him. I mean it's 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 incredible. I could I could say so much about John Williams. I just think he knocks it out of the park every time. Yeah, I think it's sad that we don't get to have John Williams really much anymore in in movies. Like, yeah, like the man is definitely at like the end of his um not only his career his life potentially. So like to sit back and watch the franchise and hear John Williams music. It's something that we are very fortunate to live in this, this time period where we have the, the pleasure of listening uh, to his music. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I just think it's cool that he's like so devoted to Lucasfilm. Like he'll just like do whatever George asks him to do. It's like, I got this cool movie. You want to do it? Yeah. Like well, for decades, for decades, he's done it. Well, I, I think there's a level of uh, wanting consistency from his standpoint, too. He probably doesn't want to compose for a Star Wars movie or for an Indiana Jones movie and then have somebody else come in for the next one and maybe completely take it in a different direction than he did, which explains a lot like why he's still, for the Star Wars movies, composing the music for all of that. Other yeah. than Rogue One and Solo, he, he's still, for the main series, been doing it. And uh, 
who else could you want for that? I mean, you have to keep it consistent within that. Uh, just like with the, the characters in these movies and how iconic they are, you need that John Williams touch in there too to make it fully realize what it's supposed to be. Yep. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. He's a, he's the maestro. Absolutely. Is there anything else we want to touch on here? I mean, we've, we've hit most of uh, the major points that we set out to discuss here. I don't know uh, if anyone has any extra thoughts, anything that's kind of just sticking out in your mind that you didn't get to say. I, I, I want to defend the Crystal Skull. Because I feel bad for the movie and how much hate it's gotten. Because um, I definitely you just, don't, what? Do you just like Shia LaBeouf? Yeah, I don't. I don't dislike him. No, no, no. I, I don't dislike Shia LaBeouf. Nor is that why like, you're defending the movie? No, no, no. I'm defending the movie because it got like a a lot of hate when it came out, and I remember watching it and not really liking it. But after rewatching it for the podcast as like a franchise, I was like. It's actually not that bad of a movie. It's really an amalgamation of all the other movies. And if you like, if you just imagine this movie taking place in the same time period of the '80s, I don't think you would get the same sort of pushback that hap- that people say about this movie. I think it does so many things that it fits perfectly into it. And Ted's point—I don't know if this was at the start or before we started recording—but he said like he didn't like it because he felt like it was. How did you phrase it? Because I, I said it the opposite way, but it was the same issue where I was like, this felt like so much of an Indiana Jones movie to me. And you felt like it was its problem or how am I, I missing that? Yeah, I, I think the problem with this movie is that more than any of the other movies it played and all of these movies do this, but it played so much more off of the fact that this was an Indiana Jones movie to its detriment, I felt like this movie just got worse and worse as it went on. And on top of playing to that to its detriment, it also had things that just don't make sense even in reality. And even though these are well, yeah, based in reality, <laughs> but I, I know that, but there's some semblance of reality, but things like uh, the fact that Marion would have a child that she knows is Indies and never mention a single thing to him until that child happens upon him and they all come together again. In no scenario is any woman going to get pregnant and then just say, I don't really want to burden that guy with the fact that he has a child. No. And then, and then a- the flip of the script where he doesn't really care about what Mutt's doing until he finds out he's his son. And uh, at that point, he's like, well, screw following your dreams. You got to do this and you got to do that. And like, it's, it's funny in a way, but it's because it's giving us, it's uh, okay. I I don't, I don't want to say I disagree, but I feel like it's being super nitpicky because then you can take that same fine tooth comb that you just did with this movie and you do it to all of the other ones. But because the older ones are nostalgic and are rooted in culture and all of this that you we just allow it to 
to get a pass because I this is the first time I've seen the franchise and I couldn't agree more with Ted. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah th there's really no nostalgia value for these movies for me. And, and we talked about it at the top. I, I don't think really I mean, it, like it plays in, I mean, nostalgia. it plays into it. Like, I think like you don't I, I'm not saying because I don't think there are any of them are really good movies. Like I did not like find myself being like, I, I want to watch these again and again. I was like, wow, I watched these and I probably won't ever watch them again, but I can appreciate some of the things. And that's why I'm defending this one is because when you look at all of them, I, first, I don't think it's the worst one. I, by far, I don't think it's the worst one. The worst one, I think, is The Last Crusade. Um, I, I think it's too many weird things. The first sequence in it, why, we're getting a flashback all of a sudden to like Kid Indiana Jones, and it's, it's bad. Like It's not even like good. It just doesn't fit. And then all of a sudden, like, then it gets better later on. But Crystal Skull fits the same model as number one and number three, at least with how its plot develops. And uh, again, I think that it's, it captures all the things that happened in the previous three. And it was kind of, if you think of it as a, a standalone movie to kind of like wrap up the original trilogy, which was like, what these, what are they called? Not really like, remakes of movies but when they bring back a franchise after a while reboot. a reboot soft, reboot soft reboot but this was i don't think ever intended to launch something new but rather close off the original trilogy you bring back you sure Marianne. about that you see the ending scene of this movie where uh the hat blows into mutt's hands but he picks kind of seems like <laughs> no no it's yeah but it's even better and i, I think it counters the point you're gonna make it. he doesn't get it Indy takes it and walks off and fucking Shia LaBeouf at the end stands there, lets everyone else leave. And he's the last one to leave the church, like without the hat on. And it's like, oh, I guess you, you don't get your adventure. Yes, you're never going to see Shia LaBeouf in you're never gonna see, yeah. again. You're never going to see Because it was the idea was it was to end it. So, like, I hate it for the movie. But when I look at all of them together, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it one bit. I'm not saying I hate it, but it's it's the weakest of all of them. It's the weakest. In this movie, I started watching it and thought, huh, maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was. But the more it went on, the more it proved me wrong. It, just sequence after sequence between the CGI, between the just harebrained logic in it. Like, again, not logical movies. I, I'm not trying to get too deep into that stuff, but between... The whole thing with Mutt being uh, his son, and uh, suddenly Marion and Indy are super lovey-dovey, even though they've been separated for so long. And like his whole, it's always been you, babe, even though there have been plenty in between and before. Uh, it just doesn't play. Well, he admits it. No it. Sense. Uh, I I disagree. I like. I can't believe I'm having to defend it this way, but I feel like uh, you don't have to. You should do it <laughs> because I uh, I just I just don't feel that way at all about this movie. Well, if I think of where our role as podcasters is to talk about franchises, I'm going to stick up for this this one poor movie in the film because I feel or the franchise because I feel like it gets way unnecessary hate based well, on uh. Um... I, I will defend it in one sense. Uh, a lot of people get super upset about the nuclear explosion uh, with the fridge scene. Oh, yeah. And I, I felt compelled to look this up. I'm like, they, they had to have gotten this from somewhere. Because one thing these movies do very well is even though they're fictional, 
they do set these movies up in some realm of reality. If you think back to Raiders of the Lost Ark, I don't know necessarily if the Nazis were after the Ark of the Covenant in reality, but they were after a lot of uh, relics and things. Relics and things that were built in within like Christianity mythology, uh, stuff like that. Like uh, the Spear of Destiny was something that Hitler was super uh, enthralled with and like literally wanted. So like they, they do sprinkle in actual facts with these things. And I always thought that was interesting. So in this movie, I had to look it up, and apparently um, Frigidaire fridges were lined with lead, and there was actually a nuclear test done in one of these, like, fake communities like that with the dummies. And uh, even though the fridge ended up sustaining damage on the outside, it had actual food in it, and uh, the food was undamaged. And uh, they did a tracing of uh, how much radiation it had, and it had no signs of any radiation. So, like, it's not the least plausible thing that he could have survived it. He probably would have been more likely to die from just being jarred around within a fridge a bunch of times during an explosion just tossed around. So it's not that bad, that scene in particular. That one gets a bad rap. That's the only thing I'll defend, though. That's fair. I, I won't put, push the point too far. I just feel like when we, with logic in movies like this, remember the first one deals with the Ark of the Covenant. The second one has a man have his beating heart ripped out and he still lives. And the third one deals with a, a cup that either gives you immortality or kills you. So you gotta, yeah. <laughs> you can't do, draw lines in the sand. Fair. I think that we get, because we consider this such a grounded franchise, meaning it's it's like a sci-fi movie that's not in space, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like we just we watch a lot of sci-fi. That it's not out of the ordinary. It's not unbelievable. Like, but there's there's a lot of things in it that are su- supposed to be you know sci-fi elements to it. You know? Yeah, and that's, I, I, that's not the that's not the the my criticism for the yeah. movie really. That's not um, even the argument I was making. I was just making an argument against like the things that are more grounded in reality yeah, yeah. weren't very grounded in reality the things that yeah. should be uh i i have no problem with the mystical elements of it other than the fact that it, and it can be argued in all these movies but especially in this movie the crystal skull was like the biggest MacGuffin i think of all the movies because it just saved them from a bunch of things like they had to find that in the beginning of the movie because it saved them from the ants it ended up saving them in the case uh, but they there don't, was another they don't find it in the beginning of the movie they find it pretty far into it uh, i'd say like a quarter in first third though right yeah it w- wasn't too far into the movie it the was first third act, the second act maybe I, maybe no, the beginning of the second act i know th- it's like the third act i i feel like no, uh, yeah no, i'm gonna man. go back and check these timestamps for some of the things we've talked about because i feel like when you're in a movie you lose track of like how much time you watch it and i pay like i try to pay a lot of attention to how long we're in things for like i I, i'll move my mouse to see like how much time has passed to see because i think you get lost an action sequence go back to our last podcast podcast example with the matrix those action sequences were so freaking long long. so (laughs) i don't think like people realize how long they were until you go back and you look, it was like yeah. a 20 minute sequence, which is like unheard of. Like a sequence should be like 13 minutes. Like that's usually like a long sequence. These were 20 minutes 
So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go back and verify timestamps with some of these things. Yeah, I, don't, I think it's earlier than you think it is, but Yeah, but either way, go for it. I, I'm not going to watch these movies again. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I'll revisit them. But uh, but like I said, I did have fun with them. I the the, the I think the the one thing that stood out to me most about all of these movies, and it's not out of the ordinary for uh, movies of its time or movies of similar genre, but everything was a convenience. I mean, every every fortune or misfortune that Indy had was part of a convenience. You know, whether it was for or against him, like that just always just happened to be there. It just happens to to come across this. And like, so again, I don't think it's uncommon for movies of of its, you know, of similar types, but literally everything was a convenience. So I just found that kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, The other thing, did you guys realize back to Crystal Skull, did you hear the Star Wars line? Oh yeah, um, I got a bad feeling about this. I got yeah, a bad yeah. feeling about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of other homages, uh, in Temple of Doom, there's a scene where the first there's an homage to the original sword fight in Last Crusade, uh, which is kind of funny, especially knowing now that uh, it's a prequel to it. But th- there's another scene where Indy shoots a guy wielding a sword. But then there's also one where he starts chasing guys, but they actually don't take to it, kind of like Han does in A New Hope, where he chases the stormtroopers like a maniac. In Temple of Doom, he starts chasing his enemies, but they're just like, the fuck are you doing? And then he starts running away from them, which was just a fun thing that I noticed in this. And maybe I'm making too much of it, but at least to me, it seemed like those were homages. No, I agree. I feel, to be honest, I feel like we could do like if we really wanted to dive into Indiana Jones. Frankly, I'm not that interested in. But you could probably find like a whole episode, like a podcast episode worth of Easter eggs in these oh, movies. Yeah. There's like, like R2D2 really... and C3PO are like uh, hieroglyphics somewhere. Like a drawing. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's. I think there's. A, there's a lot that we, like I would have to watch again and again to really get, but. There's a lot of homages between the the Spielberg and Lucas universes. I feel like there could be, like, if Lucasfilm, now that they're owned by Disney, starts making more movies for them, they could have almost, like, a not a shared universe, but, like, they could do this more often in their franchises where it, when a, if Lucasfilm came out with a brand new one, let's say next year, they could throw in elements from all of the other Lucasfilm franchises and we as fans would appreciate it because we know that's like Lucasfilm doing their little like, oh, look at that. We saw the Indiana yeah. Jones whip or hat hanging on the wall or something like that in that one scene. Yeah, they're like yeah. Pixar. It, yes. But better. <laughs> well, I don't even know. I don't think I, better is quite yeah. subjective, and no. I don't think that's true, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> an argument to be made that Pixar actually makes better quality movies. Overall. Yeah, yeah. I thought about it for half a second and I don't think what I said was right. All right. Before we run out of time, can we, if not speculate about what the fifth Indiana Jones movie is going to be, but what would we like want to see? So we know it's, we know it's supposed to be directed by James Mangold, Kathleen Kennedy, obviously EP. Now I don't know if that tells you anything about the, uh, the, the movie itself, but just a caveat before we get into it. 
James Mangold. Yeah, what director? Uh, uh, what does he do? Uh, Logan, probably the biggest yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of some other movies of his. She was slated to do something else that I heard about, but I can't remember. Oh, he did Ford versus Ferrari. Yep, looking at some of his movies. Okay, so we're getting like a good mix of like action and like fun, exciting types of movies. Lots of like male characters with probably female love interests in them. I see like Walk the Line and uh, Night and Day, Tom Cruise movie on there. So like, okay, I think I want to see then Indiana Jones having to, because we know Harrison Ford is going to be in it. I don't want to see 78-year-old Harrison Ford running around. So I want to see him more probably like what his dad was in The Last Crusade to be the MacGuffin and that someone else needs Indiana Jones for the first time. So whereas Indiana Jones kind of becomes like the, uh, the, they don't, they only want him to get after the thing that they really want. But in this case, like he will be the actual like MacGuffin personality that they're going for. Uh, and I want it all, honestly, I want that person to be short, um, (laughs) to be the, the, the new archeologist or whatever that probably won't happen, but I want it to without taking away what the crystal skull did. Um, but hopefully this is used to wrap up the um, franchise as a whole, where it brings in elements from everything. I want it to, I want that fan service of touching upon everything to really show unity for this franchise. I can, I can see where you're coming from, but I think that Indiana Jones is, or could be a forever serial. Like I almost think that they could kind of like reboot it maybe with the new Indiana Jones, but like, keep this series going like it's so episode or monster of the week adventure of the week type you know movie storytelling that they could they could really set up something to continue to make new movies out of the indiana jones franchise you know or or, you know token so um that's what i would like to see something something with a little more setup for the future I mean, they, they, they need to make a pivot from Star Wars, at least for a little while. So why not Indiana Jones? At least I'm, Lucasfilm is what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So soft reboot, essentially. Yeah, sort of. Just better than the last one. Well, I don't think the last right. one was a soft reboot. It wasn't. So I've got sort of a pitch for the movie. Okay, All right, even better. It. So first scene, Indy's in a nursing home with Marion. And, <laughs> okay. Uh, this is good. In in comes Short Round. I'm bringing Short Round back to appease nerds like you guys who, for some reason, like him. Get that nostalgia factor in there. Get the fanboys excited about it. And Short Round's an adult, and he's recruiting Indy for one last adventure. So he breaks him out of the nursing home. And uh, the whole movie, Indy's on a walker, but he's still managing it. and. I don't know what they're after, doesn't really matter, but they go on the grand adventure, it's wonderful, all the usual things happen, but it's even more stuff happening that is just pure luck, because Indy should just be back in his nursing home. He has no business doing any of this. Then there's going to be a wonderful scene where he's actually swinging from vines with monkeys, but using his walker to uh, swing from the vines and uh i'll just skip right to the end here 
So that they find the thing, save the day, everything's good. Come to find out, Indy was in a coma the entire time <laughs> in the hospital. Marion was next to him holding his hand. It's a very sweet moment. And, uh, you know, she, she's contemplating whether or not to pull the plug. And <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. And uh, roll credits. <laughs> I didn't know where that was going, but that went someplace. Yeah, so it it is Indy going on one more big adventure. And the Shyamalan twist. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) But but what better way for him to go out, especially when he's in that vulnerable real position, so we mix reality with a little bit of fantasy. I could could it all take place in the suburbs of Connecticut? <laughs> just like he's on a scooter. Yeah. <laughs> just ride in the streets. No, can we go Absolutely. like one like weird level deeper than that though? To be like, what if it's like taking place in the Star Wars universe as like someone's dream? Like they're waking up from or something like that? Like it's Luke Skywalker and like it's Aunt Bruce saying, Luke, Luke, come get your breakfast and like he wakes up. <laughs> Sounds like, sounds like a nerdy 35 year old's daily nightly dream yeah. yes. well, that, that's essentially what it's supposed to be that's what the coma lends itself to we, we can cram in a bunch of other references to Harrison Ford characters uh, where there's a scene where they're on a plane together and uh, right after short round says that there's not enough parachutes they're fighting a guy and uh, Harrison Ford while knocking a guy out of the plane says get off my plane for no reason. <laughs> Listen, I stand, I stand short round. Um, I don't agree. I'm in for short round. I think the okay. next, here, here's my pitch. Next movie, short round comes back and kills Indiana Jones. Kills for, him? For selling him to a slave trader. Which is why you're we going super dark here. Which is why we don't see him in Raiders, the sequel to Temple of Doom. So you're going for the dark, soft reboot. Yeah, okay, that's, I like that's that. My, that's my new pitch. I thought mine was a little dark, but uh, yours goes a step further there. Well, he's um, in the nursing home, and he strangles him with his O2 <laughs> hose. Yeah, yeah, That's he disguises he himself as a nurse and uh, goes <laughs> in there and takes out Indy. <sighs> yep. Yikes. Me and James Bangold, <laughs> we got this. Hell yeah. <laughs> hey, Ted, what are we uh, going to do on the podcast next? Uh, well, we discussed it prior to the episode. And uh, we were thinking uh, Hunger Games would be a good one. Uh, you mentioned, Andy, I remember that uh, we hadn't really dived into anything YA and that there was a lot in the mid-2000s to late-2010s that, uh, you know, attempting to do the YA stuff, uh, piggybacking off of Harry Potter, Twilight, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it might be interesting. I, I'll, I'd be down to it. I wonder, did Hunger Games come out before or after? Uh... Twilight. I think after. Or, or Definitely. Maybe yeah. maybe the last Twilight hadn't come out by the time the first Hunger Games came out. I don't, I don't even know. Uh, Hunger Games, no. the movie came out in 2012. Uh, yeah. Twilight came out I in... No, uh, that must have been before. It's like 2008 or 2009. 2008, yeah. yeah. Hunger Games it is. That'll be fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm so I, glad I, we chose that before this episode. Yeah, glad we got that out of the way, for sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, that's one that I I really have zero experience with. So that'll be kind of. Do you guys have? Have you guys read or seen them? 
At I all? read the first book, and I think I've seen the first two movies. I haven't read, and I think I've watched, like, snippets of the first movie and only, like, the very beginning of it, not even really into it. Don't know how it yeah. ends. Interesting. All right, that'll be that'll be that'll be fun. I don't. I think that's one that we really have. I don't think any any of us have really much experience at all. So that'll be kind yeah. of cool to dive into. I know so more cool. about so memes than I do about the movies. Yeah. Right. Lots of memes. Uh, so that's that's a, that's our homework for next time. All right. Well, uh, with that said, thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, I I really enjoyed at least diving into these movies. That they weren't the best, like we discussed, but. Uh, they were fun, and you know we, we've got some context for a lot of pop culture uh, imagery and iconography now because of watching all these Indiana Jones movies. So uh, it definitely something we had to watch, and it was good to get it out of the way. Very fun. Should we start rating franchises one to five out of five out of five stars? Three. Andy, two and a half. I was gonna go three. Yeah. So right around right. the same area. Solid. I like it. All right, guys. Good chat. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks, all. Peace out. See you on the next one. Bye, guys. Cut. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, find us on most podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Franchise Flicks for new episodes and other content. You can follow Andy on Twitch and Instagram at Darth Buckman and follow Zach on Twitter at underscore Zach Russo. Talk to you next time.